We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Cheney Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Bet Online and Indeed. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined as always by Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners at Rotoviz. Sean, today's show is going to be a fun one uh, for the listeners. We've already uh, recorded uh, the part that's coming up in a moment, and uh, we, this was actually due to be a 15-minute segment on uh, Thursday show, but such is the, the good times when we talk with our guest today, uh, and Pat Corain, we, uh, before we knew it, there was uh, 45 minutes gone, so uh, we decided to uh, make that into to one full show here for you early in the week because we wanted to get the, the content here out as soon as possible to the listeners because uh, just lots of good we, we talked obviously sean about our uh chase and ot team which we've talked about which is up into first place uh and points and our, our division in the ffpc uh football guys championship so um exciting to talk about that but we did it in a way obviously people don't really care about our teams i'm sure sean but we did it in a way where we broke down a lot of different players and uh, a lot of interesting thoughts including rookie running backs that i didn't think we were probably going to dive into as much stuff on the show but really good stuff uh really enjoyed talking with pat but that's coming up in just a moment for the listeners sean but uh they're they're in store for a fun one here today they are patrick crane obviously always fantastic and yeah like you said i mean the the listeners don't care about our team but it is nice to hear that the players we've been discussing and encouraging people to draft have in this particular league been able to carry us into first place so hopefully the listeners are having that same experience and then pat does a great job of discussing uh, specific guys you know what their stats are some of the peripherals that make them either buys or sells at this point you know talking about some of the headlining players good picks we made mistakes we may have made even on teams that are in first place you, you always make some mistakes where you look back and wish you had done some things a little bit differently and then pat also gives us some excellent dynasty buys uh, at the end of the show so make sure you stick around for that pat i think one of the best dynasty minds in the entire industry you won't want to miss on who he's buying and selling right now yeah just lots of stuff covered in this conversation as i mentioned it's about 40 to 45 minutes long so looking forward hope you hope you enjoy this one usually we kind of have the the clip in the second uh show of the week but today we're having the guest in the first show we'll basically flip-flop our show formats for this week and uh let's uh let's get straight into it lots of good stuff coming up here so uh get ready to enjoy it 
So delighted to be joined now by Pat Corain. We've been doing uh, clips over the last couple of weeks, but you know we, we've been having a little bit of a run here with this uh, this team that we've put together with uh, Pat and Pete over at uh, the ship chasing team. We've been talking about it here uh, over over the whole season, really. But it's uh, it's really come to life, and uh, I guess it was we had Pete on. It's it's only fair that we we get our buddy Pat on here. So uh, Pat, Pat, uh, how how are things as we as we really ramp? really quickly towards the, the playoff picture uh, across all fantasy formats yeah it's it's going good and and you're right i mean especially in these ffpc leagues all of a sudden the playoffs are upon you we have uh just two more weeks of the regular season there um and we obviously all co-own a team together us three and pete and so we're starting to think about the playoffs there but um it's also a good reminder that you know the playoffs are coming up everywhere even in the leagues that you know last a couple weeks longer than ffpc yeah and we've seen uh we've seen even this past week obviously it's still likely to miss this next week but you know we're looking at how some of our favorite picks happened across all leagues and you know we 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 picked outside of those top two picks me and sean touched on this last week but you know picking somebody like dalvin cook and a lot of people would have picked 101 would have took christian mccaffrey and it was a you know there was no decision to be made there christian mccaffrey was the pick and now he's obviously injured so we talked about a couple of times if if you've avoided those injuries and you've you know been able to get to this stage you can be in really good shape and christian mccaffrey owners probably thought that they were ready to if they were still in good shape make a real run at it here but i guess i'll I'll kick it off if we look back at that uh, draft you know it's you know quite quite a couple of weeks ago now but um looking back is there a, a favorite pick that you have from from what we selected yeah i think my favorite pick in this draft is that we got Stefan Diggs towards the end of the sixth round. And how did that happen? That's just absurd. His <laughs> his value is so, so much higher than that. I mean, he he looks like he if we redrafted, he should have gone in the second round. Um, just uh, coming off a game this week where finally was in a great passing game environment and his dominance of the offense came through once again, but this time in much higher volume. Unfortunately, he didn't get in the end zone, and we saw some weird things like Tyler Croft score a touchdown, Isaiah McKenzie score a touchdown. That type of stuff I think is pretty fluky. With Diggs just dominating volume and Allen having taken a step forward, getting him in the sixth round really does feel like a true steal. Pat, obviously the team now making this jump into first place and points, that's always really exciting. Uh, at this juncture, we, we still have a path to having the most points and the best record. So we know that we drafted fairly well and or got fairly lucky. But even within those types of leagues, you always kind of look back and think, what if? And there's maybe one pick that would have taken the team from being very good to being sort of this legendary team that you remember in a decade. Are there any picks here that really show up to you that we should have done differently? Yeah, there is. We took, <laughs> we took Cortland Sutton at the 504, one pick ahead of DK Metcalf. So that one's going to sting for a long, long time. And it partly stings because Sutton, in the limited time that he did play, looked like a true alpha wide receiver. I mean, even in the one game we got out of him, he didn't play the full game, but on the routes that he ran, he was just so heavily involved that he did profile as this alpha. And then, you know, the the Broncos offense was going to struggle. He was probably going to way underperform what DK Metcalf is doing and, and be more kind of in that like Terry McLaurin, DJ Shark type of spike week profile. But, you know, what we saw this week from Jerry Judy, I think shows uh, that Sutton could have done that and probably more consistently. So, I don't think Sutton was a bad pick, but if we had known that DK Metcalf was going to be with an unleashed Russell Wilson, then I think, you know, he would have just knowing that not even getting to see Metcalf take the step forward that he did. I think he would have been kind of in that third, fourth round mix. So it, it really hurts no matter who we took to end up passing on DK Metcalf in this breakout season in the 504 range. Yeah, I think I think that's really really fair as well. Um, Cortland Sutton, you could probably clip off that and add that to most of my drafts this year because uh, there's a lot of them that that uh, he was drafted in. But DK would have made a major change to this team, um, you know, in terms of even better than who we are at the moment. The other one, and I'm interested in Sean's thoughts because we're going to touch on this in a moment, but. We took Mark Andrews uh, at the back half back half of the second round, uh, pick before DeAndre Hopkins. That's one that when we took Kyler Murray later in the draft, I think we could have really 
uh, boosted this team as well. But the the reason I'm not overly critical of that call still is I think it, it can still come good. But the other part is, um, you know, if we look at it, we were always looking to get one of those elite tier tight ends and I don't know where we would have moved a tight end. We, you know, we could have took a tight end and missed out on digs. You know, there was lots of decisions like that that could have affected our team uh, worse than taking Hopkins at that spot. But um, I know, Sean, we have a, a question here on uh, on what we think about Mark Andrews coming forward. Yeah, and you mentioned that in uh, in the high stakes leagues that I did, I was able to balance these teams with Hopkins and then going with sort of the combination of Fant and Hawkinson later at tight end with the teams that we have where we have Mark Andrews and then DJ Moore. And I know that DJ Moore has had a frustrating season, you know, bypassed by Robbie Anderson in a lot of key ways in terms of, you know, those central peripherals that we look at sort of early on and has maintained that. And now that Curtis Samuel is also so involved, you've got this bizarre three-way split that somehow the ascending star is, is getting the worst of, but I do like, the roster construction here, I wouldn't really go back and second guess that. I think the things that have played out are things that are unlikely and, like you said, could still bounce back in our favor. And if we have those high-scoring tight ends, especially as tight end has still been you know, really a wasteland, then that gives us an advantage going forward. The other thing that we did in this draft is that we did select Christian Kirk to go with Kyler Murray. And we had a little bit of de- debate about whether or not to play him this past week and that played out in our favor as we did go with kirk the cardinals uh, it was frustrating i think as a hopkins owner to see them sort of capitulate in the face of the defense last week but it it does also sort of raise questions about how healthy hopkins is he's been dealing with a little bit of a nagging ankle injury if we continue to see this christian kirk breakout this could all play perfectly for us pat i know that you are a big fan of more a big fan of andrews and we're all big fans of kirk are we going to see this play in our favor here who do we still have to break out and perhaps carry us as we try and make uh this second step try to win our league playoffs and then hopefully really make some noise in in the big race for the money yeah i think christian kirk um you know he he's been kind of in a role that would have allowed this type of spike week to happen all season getting a lot of those that downfield work and you know when you see a guy that's getting used so consistently downfield, you do want to see those spike weeks occur because sometimes you end up with guys like, you know, we saw from like John Hightower this season. It's just like, yeah, he's running a lot of deep routes, but he's never, he's never getting targeted. So it's, it's tough if a guy is just kind of, you know, getting like sacrificed and just running deep routes and, and never seeing targets. So to see Kirk involved this uh, extensively and have this type of really nice week, is very bullish. Um, but at the same time, I think he's probably going to be somewhat volatile still. The guy that I'm still holding out hope for, you know, when you look at what this team needs, it's Mark Andrews. We need that tight end position to start making a difference for us. Um, I think that, you know, like the thesis of the play on Mark Andrews, like I still feel pretty good about a lot of the underlying metrics for him were just so strong entering the season. And have actually still remained pretty strong through this season. It's just that this offense is really struggling. Looking at um, the the Ravens going forward through the end of the season, I, I'm like I'm not that excited about what I'm seeing because what we need from the Ravens is both um, an environment where they're actually going to throw and an, uh, you know someone that can keep them competitive and a defense that can allow. Uh, Lamar Jackson to to be really productive through the air, which he's struggled a bit with. So it's it's not like it's a lock to happen, but I I think the the underlying volume for Mark Andrews is is still pretty good for a tight end. There was a little bit of a concern with Nick Boyle; his routes spiked this past week, but Mark Andrews stayed pretty pretty consistent himself in terms of his routes. So I don't think that's necessarily a huge deal. Uh, Willie Sneed has been like weirdly involved over the last few weeks which is hurt but still as you mentioned tight end is is such a wasteland and I think that Andrews can separate from the pack pretty easily if he just starts connecting a little bit better on some of the volume that he is getting because his yards per target has been way down over the last few weeks and that's something that bounces all over the place and is really noisy so 
I think there can just be a little bit of bad luck here with Andrews. And he's the guy that if you pair him with the wide receivers and, and the quarterback and, and Dalvin Cook, you know, with this team, we can really we can really put up points here, closing out the regular season into the, and into the playoff if Andrews comes alive. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever. And Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause any time and there are no longer term contracts. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you that important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and they'll see it fast. Try Indeed with our $75 free credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer they have anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply offer valid through december 31st i'm dave cabin host of the rotoviz fantasy football podcast i wanted to take a moment to thank you for supporting rotoviz radio we love producing these shows and we hope that you love listening to them as a thank you loyal podcast listeners can get 10 percent off of a one-year rotoviz subscription by using the promo code 2020 rv radio at checkout We have some of the very best tools, articles, and analysts in the business and can't wait to lead you on the path to greatness. If you haven't done so yet, do us a favor and take a minute to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get into the show. Yeah, he's the one. He's the one guy that I think if if things start to go right, can really push this team over the edge. He, you know, we just we've seen a couple of glimpses here and there but this offense as you mentioned has has really struggled it, it struggled pretty much this past week again against a pretty good Colts defense so we'll see how they do moving forward and, and if that can happen and if we get some some more out of dj Moore, um it can really start to go and the team is kind of like it's supercharged at the moment by dalvin cook aj brown stefan diggs and kyler murray and that that's really pushing this team very far but if we can get those second and third round picks and Andrews and more to, to start uh, giving some of those kind of top end points that we were hoping for it can it can really start to, to heat up here uh, I thought that you would probably have to say that your favorite pick was that round nine pick of Ronald Jones uh, that, <laughs> that was just back uh, shortly after uh, Fournette had signed and we got a kind of a, a four or five round discount there so I, I thought that was going to have to be the pick that you picked out but uh, all well, that was aside, your pick not, column that was your pick <laughs> I, I, but I felt I felt like I had to do it. If you 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 were getting the pressure, you know, to you you are the Ronald Jones man banging that uh, drum all off season. So I think we had to do it when we got to round nine. But um, I still think there's positives to have there. Obviously, a bad night uh, on Monday night football for the Buccaneers. But wh- what's your thoughts now as we've settled into the season? We've seen movement in that backfield in a number of different ways. What's your outlook on on Jones rest of the season? As as we probably will need need him. Yeah, the the thing with Jones is extremely frustrating because Jones has played pretty well this this year. He's his yards after contact have been great, um, and that's been a strength of his game last year as well. Um, but they just, I just don't trust you know that they trust him. You saw not this week, but the previous week, he was benched for fumble on a play that was pretty weird. Like he went to it was a tipped pass. He went to his knees to catch it, and then he's coming back up off the ground and the defenders on him quicker than he than he would have thought it wasn't like he's carrying the ball real loose or something so that was very very frustrating to see him bench for the entire rest of the first half there and I think he was just in for the first series of the second half and then they went away from him again and then this past week you know it was a little bit more bullish actually even though the the offense was obviously a complete disaster but he was used on a third down. He actually got a third down target catch, which is like, I think, one of two third down targets he's gotten all season. Um, so that alone is it's, it's a lot worse news that that's only his second one of those than it is that, that one of them just occurred. But, you know, at least he maybe isn't completely locked out of third down work because it looked like he had been. Um, and then he did look like the starter. So, you know, are we going to get some massive breakout from Ronald Jones down the stretch. I don't think so because I don't 
trust this team to rely on him. Um, and any little mistakes that he make uh, are going to end up costing him a lot of playing time, I think. I've been frustrated that Leonard Fournette has been in this, what they're calling the nickel running back role, where he's in on all the third downs and he's in on um, on all the hurry-up stuff. So Fournette hasn't really played that well, but that's a really valuable role. Um, and so that that's obviously going to hurt. The good news is that it is just down to Jones and Fournette now. There's no LaShawn McCoy. There's no Keyshawn Vaughn. So I think that we can probably get some spike weeks out of Jones. They're just going to be really hard to predict. Um, and it's he's going to be touchdown dependent. So it's been kind of a frustrating season. But to get him in the ninth round, we had that three-week stretch where he had the three back-to-back-to-back 100-yard games. I mean, that already kind of paid off that ninth round value. Like the opportunity cost wasn't all that much there. And, um, you know, I'm looking at the other running backs we picked at Daryl Williams, AJ Dillon, Bryce Love, De- Devin Azigbo, Jalen Richard. I mean, no question about who the next uh, best running back pick was after Dalvin Cook. So, you know, all in all, you can't really complain there. I, I was going to say that after the, uh, after the, let me see, ele- so from the 11th round onwards, we just have two of those guys, I think, still on the roster, and AJ Dillon and LaVisca Chenault. Um, so when we look through it, uh, there's we've made some nice moves in, in free agency. Um, just looking at how the draft played out, like 20th round, T. Higgins would have been a nice pickup in the 20th round if that could have happened. Uh, you know, some some interesting plays there that could have went better for us, but T. Higgins is one that has really grown on me here this this season. But the players we have picked up that you know uh, we we've been talking about quite early before they were back in on the playing field, and that was uh, Ayuk and Rager. Uh, picked both of them up. H- have you high hopes for them down the stretch? The issue might be based on the strength at wide receiver getting those guys into the lineup <laughs> could be could be a difficult ask. Yeah, I'm bullish on both those guys. Um, I think that what we saw from Rager coming back was really maybe feel really good about about his role going forward. He didn't run a full slate of routes in his return, but that I think was to be expected. He's coming back from this thumb injury. Um, but when he was out on the field, he was targeted heavily. And I think that Travis Fulgham, his emergence is ultimately has the potential to be a positive for Rager. Uh, you know, Rager is a rookie. I don't think that having like, the clear defensive attention solely on him. It's necessarily a good thing. Uh, I think we could end up seeing a similar situation to the Vikings where, you know, Fulgham's kind of playing like the Adam Thielen to Rager's Justin Jefferson and Rager kind of delivering some of the bigger spike weeks of the two, but Fulgham maybe being a bit more consistent, but then it's the Eagles. So they're not going to be as committed to running whenever they possibly can. So, I'm definitely excited about Jalen Rager coming back from this bye. I think coming off the bye, we should see his routes run, spike a bit, um, probably get back to like that full-time, close to full-time level that he was at before. And then Brandon Ayuk, I think, has been also – it's been exciting. I mean, he was in this pure deep threat role when Debo Samuel was active, but when Samuel went down, they moved Ayuk so that he was getting – used a bit more all over the all over the field and not just in this pure deep threat role. I think they they view him as someone they can use to do whatever they need. Um, it's a little bit interesting now that Richie James had this big game. We'll have to see uh, exactly how it all breaks out. I think there's kind of a lot – there's more like moving parts with San Francisco and the offense as a whole is a little bit uncertain. But Ayuk as a player has been really exciting. I think he's just a very versatile player and a very highly skilled player. So really happy to have added both these guys through waivers. Rager and Ayuk are two of the players who scored really well in the wide receiver prospect lab, a couple of guys that we've been encouraging listeners to draft and trade for in all of their leagues. And I know, Pat, that you uh, share a lot of those uh, same beliefs in terms of wide receiver evaluation. So we were actually battling you uh, in – I've been battling you in, in startups and drafts you know, all off season and, and now, you know, trying to work with you on trades on some of these guys. It's exciting to see just so much firepower from these players early because we are going to almost certainly want to play Rager in week 11 when Diggs is on the bye. And then, you know, Ayuka Rager, one of those two guys, you know, could be the key to winning the title. 
uh, as you know DJ Moore on the bye in week 13 in the championship. And you know that might almost play to our advantage. Ayuk already has four games with at least 13 points. He's got two games with 20 points. I mean, he looks like an absolute star in the making. So uh, our bench here, I think, definitely one of our strengths. You know, we talked about not hitting on a lot of those picks from round 11 to round 20. In terms of studying, you know, leagues for 10 years, uh, that's pretty normal. And so, you know, you've got to be able and and willing to to go after and, and get those players in free agency. And, and that's been sort of a fun part of this league, too, with the four of us talking about our free agent pickups uh, during the week there. Pat, before we let you go, let's let's move over to a couple of other topics. We, we don't want to uh, lose you for our audience on, you know, say what your big pickups are right now. Uh, you were one of our big dynasty experts at Rotoviz. Uh, you're obviously the same now for Establish the Run, who are you buying in Dynasty right now? Are there some names that you're putting out there in all of your uh, trade offers? Yeah, I think I'm. I'm still. I'm like getting more and more excited about this rookie class overall. I think you know, Colin mentioned T. Higgins. I think we might have just been too low on T. Higgins. He's he's not going to necessarily pop in like the production metrics that we're looking at. I think partly because his team was too good. You know, and if you look at his production on a per route basis, he was awesome at Clemson. But like in terms of accounting for a huge percentage of his team's offense, he didn't really do that like on a per game basis. But there were, you know, even this was something I'd heard about uh, as we were entering the the NFL draft season that like, you know, they didn't always play him to close out games. And there was also concerns about his athleticism. But I think it's always a good idea to be fairly skeptical on on the athleticism if there is production there and if a guy's coming out young coming out as a true underclassman which Higgins is so the production was the was the major red flag but I I think that you know I was looking at him like man this guy could be Laquan Treadwell in terms of like a, a downside comp that's obviously not really on the table anymore he got on the field very quickly he's established himself as a major part of this offense and I think that when you have a guy where the production is uncertain, there's sort of like, you know, maybe a, a legitimate reason why it wasn't there. And you have him entering the league early and having a lot of draft capital associated with that. There's just going to be a wider range of outcomes. So he could end up being just not very good and kind of fooling us. You know, you could, the, the, the draft capital could be what's fooling us, or there could be legitimate reasons that he wasn't dominating his offense. Cause he wasn't even on the field all the time. And uh, in that case, he could be kind of this undercover superstar. And it's sort of looking like he might be the undercover superstar. And Burrow looks pretty good. Uh, Sean, you mentioned you were talking about Tyler Boyd in one of the recent episodes saying that this offense is going to score a ton of points. I agree. And I think it also applies to Higgins as well as Boyd. I think A.J. Green is almost certain to be gone after the season. He's on the franchise tag and uh, he looks just completely done. So I'm excited about Higgins, but I'm also excited about these rookie running backs that I feel like because I was so high on the the rookie wide receivers may have actually underrated the rookie running back class a little bit. I know, you know, in a bold prediction show, Pete was talking about how we were that the market was overvaluing the running backs and not valuing the wide receivers highly enough. I think that was true, but maybe my own evaluation, I wasn't um, giving these running backs quite enough credit because like JK Dobbins looks like, uh, he's going to be a superstar when he finally gets the opportunity. And I think he will. I think Ingram will be gone uh, sooner rather than later. I think at at most he'll be around next year as kind of like a committee type of guy. I don't think his days as like the starter are, are very numbered. DeAndre Swift looks like he could be a superstar, kind of that Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara type of mold where he may never be like a true workhorse, but he gets the high value touches. I also think we're probably looking at a coaching change there after the season. Adrian Peterson obviously is not going to be on the team next year, you wouldn't think. So really excited about him. Antonio Gibson, who is not getting a ton of the passing game work, but you're seeing huge market share right now for J.D. McKissick. And Antonio Gibson's a converted wide receiver. So it's like not really hard to imagine Gibson eventually working into more of that role. And the coaching staff there is the one who just had Christian McCaffrey, who you know they kind of worked in a little bit 
slowly in his rookie year, and then he became the the absolute mega superstar after that. So he might be the one I'm most excited about because I think the price and then the upside are probably the the most off. Where you know he's he's probably the cheapest of them and actually might have the most upside of everybody. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited about those guys. I'm also a little bit excited about Chase Edmonds, who we saw just get used as a workhorse this past week. Didn't really deliver on that, but could be a preview of of what happens if Kenyon Drake is not brought back. He's on the transition tag, so there's a lot of volume that could open up there long term. Obviously, they could bring in a running back. They could draft someone, but if Edmonds ends up being the primary rusher in that offense uh, in 2021... I mean, you saw what happened to Kenyon Drake's value. He he was going in like the second, early second round of of FFPC leagues. Like Edmonds will be an extremely valuable asset. So, if someone's kind of soured on him after he like quote unquote failed this week, I would uh, I would definitely want to get him from that dynasty owner. Pat, I'm interested. I'm I'm interested. Uh, that's an interesting, I think, take on the running backs. And I'm glad to hear you say that about some of these guys because I've actually been pretty frustrated by what the rookies are doing and how they've been used maybe even specifically about Dobbins who had the good week a couple weeks ago and then you know fell flat again this past week Uh, again another league that you and I are in together it came down for me in terms of structuring my rookie picks uh, where it it wasn't exactly a one-to-one but it, it would have been a change where instead of Dobbins I would have selected Justin Herbert I was kind of right on the edge for him I thought that he was undervalued and yet didn't end up pulling the trigger in enough leagues and in this particular one where I ended up with Dobbins and not Herbert in a super flex you know I feel like that's now going to probably cost me for you know a, a decade what are some of the prices that you are paying or seeing paid you feel comfortable with specifically maybe on Higgins Dobbins and Swift yeah I think so for Swift, I mean, I th- I really do feel like he's going to be kind of a staple of like the second round of startups um, for a number of years. So that's if you can get a discount on that type of um, value, then I would like at this point, Swift has to be valued ahead of, ahead of Jonathan Taylor, don't you think? don't both of those players have similar problems or, or do you think Taylor definitely has more problems at this point with, uh, I, I think Taylor has more problems Taylor? because it's so bizarre what's happening in Indianapolis right now. Yeah, it is. It's really bizarre. Like, but I don't necessarily think it's something that's going to go away because one of the, so the, the problem, the two red flags that I had for Taylor coming in was that we weren't sure about his receiving role. And this was a, a team that had just treated Marlon Mack like he could only do one thing and that and put him in a committee. The receiving role has actually been pretty bullish. He's been uh, used as a receiver. He's been pretty effective. Uh, like his yards per out run is pretty nice for a running back. So I don't really have that concern anymore. I think that if given the chance as a receiver, he'll be just fine. The concern is that Jordan Wilkins has replaced Marlon Mack and looks like a better version of Marlon Mack and is under contract next year where Marlon Mack was a free agent. So it's like a worst case scenario where they just found their new Marlon Mack who also sticks around for an extra year. I And and also Jonathan Taylor just ha, has not played well uh, as a rusher. Um, and that is a bit concerning. I was looking at like who else did not rush well as a rookie and then, and then, you know, bounce back. And Joe Mixon stood out as a guy who could be kind of a comp where he ends up in a committee. He takes several years to kind of deliver the value that we're looking for. Um, and ends up being, and it's a kind of rebounding as a, a rusher with that really strong draft profile, uh, strong draft capital. So I think that's kind of where I'm at. Like I'm, I'm not buying that, Jonathan Taylor's like the next Trent Richardson, but I would kind of start to think of him more as like Joe Mixon entering his second year where you're probably not going to get him as a workhorse because Wilkins and Hines are under contract next year. And both those guys have looked good. So to me, when you look at Swift, you're able to picture him being a workhorse or at least like getting the getting the vast majority of the high value carries. Um, 
because Peterson, I think, is going to be gone. New coaching staff, I think, will come in and identify him as the clearly the best running back on the roster right now. They already spent a second round pick on him. There's no need to bring in some high profile veteran or anything. And then Carryon Johnson is under contract, but has been fully displaced. And I think actually probably provides some cover in that he is someone they can use as like, you know, let's say the Jamal Williams to uh, DeAndre Swift's Aaron Jones. And they wouldn't necessarily bring in somebody or draft somebody to that would be more talented than Carryon Johnson, who I think is, you know, I'm pretty much out on him. He's been just highly disappointing. So I, I think Swift just has a clearer path to being uh, delivering that kind of immense workhorse type of value that if you're investing in a running back, you really need access to. You need access to like the 20 point per game ceiling. And I, I don't know that Taylor's going to give us that in the next, you know, 18 months. And, and yeah, and J.K. Dobbins, like, I saw him in a, in a league that I'm in. He went um, for Kareem Hunt and a first-round pick. Um, he, was, he was involved in a, in a package um, that was, like, picks and Dobbins uh, and rugs for, like, Zeke in some pieces. I think that's pretty interesting. So I would be – I think it's pretty easy to imagine how, like, Dobbins ends up being about as valuable as Zeke in another year from now, where especially if Ingram is not brought back. Um, the the concern with Dobbins is that Gus Edwards is being used on the goal line, but he was so ineffective last week that you know he finally did get in to the end zone after multiple tries. But uh, Dobbins has just been really, really strong. Like if I was looking at his you know elusive rating and it's very, very strong. He he scores really well in in fantasy points over expectation on a pretty small expected points workload. Uh, he's had a bunch of long runs, so uh, I'm just I I for me with Dobbins, it's more like okay, I get it. I get what all the excitement was about. He is the the one running back in that team that that catches passes, um, and if you know all you have to pay is like Hunt and a first to get him, I I feel like he's kind of a no brainer buy right now. That's that's. Yeah, I, the excitement is there. You know, I've been playing him. Curtis and I have him in, in the starting lineup in one of our our main events from time to time. We kind of go back and forth between him and and Jonathan Taylor. And if one of those guys would emerge down the stretch, you know, we have a team that you know might be in the mix for the whole thing. And so my view on both of those players is colored by also the frustration of just it needed to happen a little bit faster. But definitely some encouraging signs from him. Somebody else we got an encouraging sign from this week, Pat, was DJ Chark, uh, someone that is on a lot of my rosters, I think, on a number of yours. There was this question of how they were going to attack with the new quarterback. There were some signs that perhaps there might be some underneath there for LaVisca Chenault, who immediately got hurt. By contrast, you know, they they did say that with no longer having Gardner Minshew in there, they thought maybe they'd be able to go deep a little bit more. We immediately saw that DJ Chark from last season, you know, once Minshew, maybe his damaged hand was out of the equation. Yeah, I I was really excited about what we saw from Shark this week. I mean, um, I do this show called Stat Chasing where I do this like rundown of all the weekly stats and, and he's going to be someone that really stands out uh, in this week's episode because his I mean he was out there all the time he ran around on 95% of dropbacks uh he had a 53% air yard share this week 32% target share his whopper was 0.85 uh he was just he's in one of these rare cases where he was the deep threat but also getting targeted a bunch he had an 8 out of 14.3 but 12 targets so it's kind of like the Kenny Galladay combination which you don't always see that often um, or kind of like what we would have hoped to be more consistent from a Terry McLaurin or a Darius Slayton where the guys like the deep threat and the alpha. So that's really, really exciting. And Luton looked pretty good. I wanted to get your thoughts though, because this schedule for the Jaguars is not that great going forward. Jair Alexander's this, you know, the cornerback for the Packers may not play uh, this week. He's coming back from a concussion. But if he does, that makes that matchup a little concerning. Uh, and then I was looking at the Rotovis, uh Strength of Schedule app, and the Jaguars have the fourth worst wide receiver schedule going forward and the second worst quarterback schedule. 
the Texans were a really nice matchup. So I wanted to just get your guys' thoughts on what we saw from Shark this week. Is this a mirage um, driven by, yes, an improvement in quarterback play, but a, but maybe one of the last really good matchups that this team is going to have? They do get the Vikings, but that's like one of the few good matchups that they have for the rest of the season. Or is Luton's play enough to overcome some, you know, tough to bad matchups going forward? Well, I'm biased because Chark was one of the guys that I really liked coming into the season. And he may be the most disappointing player for me of of really everyone across the universe of guys that I liked and have a lot of ownership in. Now, there are a variety of reasons that that happened. You know, he wasn't getting the targets from Minshew that he probably deserved on the targets he was getting. You know, he has this super high catch rate and then struggled with some nagging injuries that took him out of the equation a little bit and then we saw Minshew sort of melt down and and get to where he could no longer attack deep and so you had a a variety of things going on there we know that Shark has the physicality to challenge defensive backs the way most even NFL wide receivers do not and he had the big breakout season almost always with those second year breakouts they go on to very very strong NFL careers and then the rhetoric out of Jaguars camp was that in the same way that he had looked great before 2019 he looked even better before 2020 and was ready to take that next step so I think that long term you definitely want to be in on Chark and if people in your league have softened on him and this is an opportunity to to go after him now you know do you want to try and make that trade after this week that has you know all of those very positive stats not only in fantasy points but all the peripherals that you were talking about you know, probably not. And so for dynasty owners, you know, we wait a couple of weeks, we see if this rough schedule creates a buying opportunity. Uh, Colin, in terms of the rest of the season, what are you thinking here? No, well, I like, like you, like DJ Shark was probably one of the players we liked the most uh, going into the season. And uh, we made a, a poor call <laughs> this past week, starting uh, Chenault over Shark, and that, that turned bad very, very quickly. And that just shows how much concern there was over, you know, Shark's play throughout those first weeks of the season. Um, you you mentioned the word mirage. This is th- this game this week is what I expected him to be like this season, but this game also felt like a mirage based on what we've seen this season. So I'm hoping that he's one of those players who can. Uh, you mentioned uh, I will say that Jair Alexander is like probably not talked about in terms of national media, but he is one of the best shutdown corners in the the league, and that's just as a a biased Packers fan. But I do think that if you look at players who have gone up against him this year, they they have really struggled. Um, so I think that is going to be a tough matchup. But I think he's one of those players that if and we've seen this with like a, a Bartles to Allen Robinson, even in those tough matchups, if the volumes there and the targets are there, we could still see him put up those the, those big big games. So I'm I'm hoping that this is a, a turning point. Um, but again, like the confidence cannot be high after what we've seen through through the rest of the sample size of the season so far. But but let's hope. But like Sean said, uh, prior to this week was probably the time to get those trades done. Um, but if we see the schedule take effect and you know we see a couple of down weeks again, long term in terms of a dynasty buy, I think like Chark's still one of my my favorite uh, wide receiver assets to to have in dynasty. I've, I have him on on pretty much all, all those rosters. So uh, I, I'm pretty confident that we will see it come good in in the longer run. I just I was gonna say quickly, you know, based you guys both love Chark and if it sounds like, you know, you're kind of you're thinking, well, this isn't maybe a great time to buy. I wonder if it actually is a, an okay time to buy because this is like maybe their owner thinking, Okay, I'm finally getting a sell window and man, this has been such a rough season that thank God the sell window came along and you're still getting a bit of a discount. Um where if if he completely disappoints this week against Green Bay he could actually be somewhat harder to buy because it's like, well, now I'm selling him low. His owner knows that. And and that can sometimes be a little bit deflating to try to, if you're, you know, if you're selling shark, you want to do it off of a nice week and feel like you're getting some, uh, some value. So I actually wouldn't mind. I'm probably going to send some offers for shark this week. That's a really, that's a really good take. And we, we talk about that some on the show and I don't think that the owners maybe think about that enough that in this particular time, you actually have a chance now with the shark owner to have a conversation. Speaking of that, I know that you needed the, the good week from Kyler Murray to feel any sort of comfort 
in trading him. For our Superflex owners, and, and just to catch up the audience again or, or to remind folks, uh, Pat is in a Pros versus Joe's Superflex Dynasty League with Curtis and me. And Pat's team is going to be the champion in like 2020. To 2023, 2024, 2025. And so, really, I think we want to win this season. We've had a, a weird stretch where we have McCaffrey and Cook and Michael Thomas and Dak Prescott. And obviously, McCaffrey and Thomas have not played very much. And yet, we're in a little bit of a. The, the Pros versus Joe's has three divisions and six teams make the playoffs. And so, with the softness of the division that we're in and with some of the games we've gotten from Cook, we're actually in a playoff position right now. And so, Pat, I know that Kyler Murray is the foundation of your team. However, it, it does look like Dak Prescott, uh, barring you know weird changes in Dallas, it's always a little bit tricky to depend on Dallas doing things that make sense. But he has this wide receiver core. He looked a lot like Russell Wilson. Could be even more potent than Kyler Murray, who had another big fantasy game, but from a reality perspective, was a little sketchy again against the Dolphins. What would we have to offer you in addition to Dak Prescott uh, in order to, to get Murray for our playoff push? We have Nikhil Harry. He's been terrible, but could be very different in what seems like it'll be a wholesale uh, change for the Patriots. I'm sure we have Gabriel Davis, who just had a fantastic game. Looks like he might be a stealth star in this deep wide receiver class, uh, you know, future second pick. You know, wh- what do we need to bridge that gap to Kyler Murray? Yeah, so in this format, I mean, the FFPC Dynasty format, if people aren't familiar with it, you cut down to like, I think it's 14 skill players in the offseason. And this being super flex, you're really squeezed at wide receiver and, and running back. So unfortunately guys like Harry and Gabriel Davis aren't that interesting to me in this format. Um, I already have guys like KJ Hamler, um, Cole Komet that I'm going to be trying, you know, it's FF or it's a tight end premium. So I'm already going to be trying to find ways to keep them. Benny Snell um, in case Connor departs, like, you know, those types of guys are potential cuts. So um, it's, it's pretty tough to take on some of those like more ancillary pieces, I guess to trade away Kyler for Dak Prescott, I would need a, a major upgrade at like, you know, I would need to take a guy who's really solid and move it up into kind of like the borderline elite type of running back wide receiver. So that's kind of the type of move that I, I would be interested in like if I was going to give up Kyler because I mean Kyler Murray like in this format is one of the most valuable pieces in you know in the entire league you know like because to the same point that I was making you're trying to conserve roster spots and Kyler you're just like oh I'm gonna have this dude for the next five years no question as a starting running or starting quarterback and it allows me to not have to worry about like farming a quarterback, trying to burn roster spots, trying to find quarterback production. Um, obviously, Dak should give you that same uh, type of advantage, but I'm a little bit nervous about this ankle injury. And uh, it was a pretty gruesome injury. Not sure when he's even going to be back from that. And there is some question about if he gets back to 100%. Uh, in terms of adding a little bit of rushing ability on top of his passing ability. So I've been, you know, I think the, uh, the I've had some listeners um, ask about like trades for Dak and I've seen him go for like, I think maybe was this a trade you did, Sean, like Deshaun Watson, uh, like Dak plus for Deshaun Watson. I think that's a really smart move, but um, Kyler's a little bit, especially in this format where I'm just like, Hey man, I've got my quarterback roster spot locked up. Don't have to worry about it. Um, it's pretty tough to not have just like a vice grip on Kyler right now. Yeah, that, that definitely all makes sense. And I don't have permission necessarily to negotiate this trade and give away Curtis's <laughs> players, but I thought the audience would, would be interested in, in hearing some of these super flex trades. Uh, we, we won't subject the listeners to, to more of that. And we know, Pat, that we have to let you go. I'll just leave you with the the tantalizing idea of being able to uh, 
you, you could upgrade from Hamler to LaVisca Chenault perhaps in this trade and, and play some more Chenault videos. You know, don't worry about the fact that <laughs> Chenault hasn't done that much yet. Uh, it's been so awesome to have you on. Thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Once again, thanks to Pat. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at Pat Corain and uh, lots of good, lots of good stuff there in terms of what we discussed today. Of course, you can find him as well on Establish the Run, and uh, he also gave a plug uh, to the Stat Chasing Show that he's doing at the moment uh, over on the Ship Chasing Channel. Uh, really enjoying watching into that to, to pick up on some of those kind of peripherals that he touched on to, to get some things that maybe, maybe you know, Sean, we're looking at these things a lot during the week but it's always good to to get that perception uh, other person's perception as you mentioned as well one of the the best dynasty minds in the business so really good stuff there really enjoyed talking to pat um as always on each and every show you can save yourself a 10 percent discount to a rotaviz nfl pass and you can do that by going to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast or by adding that code 2020 rv radio at checkout Really, that's going to do us for the early show in this week. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you have stuck the whole way through, much appreciate it. We've been getting some great reviews on iTunes and that, or Apple Podcasts, as it's called now, over the last couple of weeks. We'll be sharing some of them on Thursday's podcast, but we do appreciate each and every one of those that we do get. So if you can, drop us a written review. That will be much appreciated. Until we're back with another show on Thursday, my name's Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtimerland. As always, my co-host is Sean Siegel. Follow all of Sean's great work up on rotaviz.com. And until then, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. Football is back in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can bet on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Head on over to Bet Online today to take advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use our promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's all one word, BLUEWIRE, to get your welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.